humans. Hello, hello, humans of Minnesota, of the world. Ellie Krug here with Ellie Tuborno Radio on AM 950. Humans, how are you? So, um, welcome back for another spectacular show, no doubt. Um, I am taping this show the last week of June because I'm officially on a mini sabbatical in July. Now, what does that mean? Uh, that means you're going to get a combination in July of uh, a best of Ellie's and some new material because um, there are, there is at least one guest in July that I've booked that I need to do the show for. So just so you know that, just uh, as you go. But August, come August, it's all fresh, continued, regular, fresh stuff. So we have a great show here. Um, in a second, I'm going to talk about a woman. Um, an idealist uh, that I suspect most of you have never heard of, I would, someone I'm calling the Rachel Maddow of her time. And the big interview is, is with Scott Harold. He had previously been on the show with students from the High School for the Recording Arts. I'm having him back to talk about another idealistic project that he has going. And let me just tell you, Scott Harold is quite the idealist. And in my block C, I'm going to talk a little about about something that happened to me yesterday at Pride. So remember, we're taping this. This is the day after Pride. But first, I want to talk about a woman named Vera Connolly, who became one of the very first female investigative journalists in our country um, back at the turn of the at the in the 20s and 30s of uh, the last century. Um, Vera Connolly, I I very much think she is like the Rachel Maddow of her time. I stumbled on Vera Connolly in a Medium magazine piece written by Catherine Pendergast titled, quote, How an Abortion in 1910 Changed the World, unquote. Um, and uh, Pendergast uh, really st started down the road about speaking about what's going on in America right now as it relates to women's uh, reproductive freedom. And as we know, um, it's not good stuff. And she detailed in this piece about this woman named Vera Connolly, um, who, at a, as, as a 22-year-old, became pregnant after having an affair with a married man in 1910. Um, there were, of course, way different social mores at that time. And when the man refused to leave his wife to marry um, Vera, uh, Vera Connolly then living in Carmel, California, near Monterey, traveled to San Francisco for an abortion. Um, only at that time it was called a miscarriage. So the gist of Pendergast's article is that but for having an abortion, Vera Connolly would never have been able to accomplish what she went on to do as quite the idealist. So... Um, I am a huge supporter, as I said, of women's control over their bodies, and that's a discussion for another day. But let me continue with Vera Connolly. So beginning with her high school newspaper, Vera Connolly um, found that she loved to write and edit. Um, and she also had looked around the world um, in terms of her world, the world that she lived in, and understood what injustice looked like. Her father had been in the Army. And part of his tour included being posted to Indian reservations and Angel Island in San Francisco. Angel Island in San Francisco was like um, Ellis Island on the East Coast. Angel Island was a transit point for immigrants where they were processed. And as Vera Connolly was growing up, <clears throat> she saw how the government treated native children and immigrants. 
And this seared her idealism to help others who are much less fortunate than her. Um, and thus, after studying English at the University of California, she went to New York. Vera Connolly went to New York, where she went to work for several magazines as both a writer and an editor. And she built a name for herself. And so by the time that Vera Connolly was 32, she had become a freelance writer. So this is in 1920. It's during the, you know, um, the, the rise of independent women. Remember, we have um, the suffragette movement. We have uh, women getting the right to vote. Um, and Vera Connolly began writing stories in the fashion of what we would call investigative journalism. Um, over the next 30 years, she'd write stories covering the juvenile justice system, where she traveled across America and Canada, reinforcing that youth crime was rooted in poverty and neglect. By the time uh, the uh, late 20s arrived, um, Vera Connolly was such a success that she was earning between $1,000 and $2,000 apiece for her writing. In uh, the 20s, that was an astronomical amount of money. Even today, with the way writing is, it would be pretty good money. She was earning $15,000 a year as a writer, as a freelance writer. Again, astronomical money at that time. And it showed the kind of clout that she had with her writing. In the late 1920s, Vera Connolly lived on an Indian reservation in Taos, New Mexico, to learn about the horrors of children being taken from Native American families and placed in government boarding schools. She wrote a series titled Cry of a Broken People that ran in Good Housekeeping magazine. This was back when Good Housekeeping magazine was a different kind of magazine than it is today. As a result of her piece about uh, Native children, there were congressional hearings um, that redirected a million dollars to feed Native children and as a result of Vera Connolly's piece um, about her series about how Native children were being treated, the tenure of the then Commissioner on Indian Affairs ended. In the 1930s, uh, Vera Connolly did another good housekeeping piece about sweatshops employing teenage girls for $2 to work 60-hour work weeks. In the 1940s, Vera Connolly wrote about abortion and how backroom procedures were killing women. Something that we've been hearing about today, of course, with what's going on. And Vera Connolly in the 1940s, this was radical, okay? She called for access to birth control, access to hospital um, abortions, and to generous maternity leave. Later in the 1940s, Vera Connolly visited 250 prisons in 22 states to again write about getting children out of adult jails. I mean, this is big stuff. And this is a woman doing it on her own. In 1952, in Red Book magazine, Vera Connolly wrote a piece titled The Man Who Refused to Die. It was about a veteran named Sam Harrison who had lost all but two of his fingers. But Sam ha Harrison still wanted to continue to work. Um, Vera Connolly's writing in the 1950s about Sam Harrison uh, focused the discussion on what was our country doing with our disabled vets. And in fact, CBS uh, Radio did a half-hour radio report as a result of uh, Vera Connolly 
uh, doing that piece about Sam Harrison. And in fact, um, the Veterans Administration um, issued guidelines and things and and uh, procedures about how to deal with our disabled vets. And in fact, there were also Sam Harrison chapters that sprung up across the country because they were inspired by Vera Connolly's empathy and compassion for our injured vets. And so, again, the Rachel Maddow of her time. Unfortunately, by the late 1950s, the magazines that Vera Connolly wrote for where her pieces were being picked up started turning. Now, remember, at the beginning of the 1950s, we had the rise of television and, frankly, um, the rise of laziness. People no longer felt that they had to read. I mean, it was required that you read in order to educate yourself about the world. And instead, what began in the 50s and then certainly in the 60s and 70s and bring us all the way up to the 20 aughts, the 20 teens, and um, we have a lot of lazy people who don't read anymore. And so what happened in the, by the mid to late 1950s is the magazines that Vera Connolly was writing for, like Good Housekeeping or Collier's, um, those magazines were turning to pop, pop entertainment, the kinds of things, what I call bubblegum um, words, to kind of help make us feel better, but not necessarily educate us about anything of substance. So Vera Connolly's writing ended. Um, she ended up dying in New York City in 1964. She had never married or had children. And Vera Connolly was one heck of an idealist. I actually have a different word other than heck written on my, on my script here, but I think that we'll just stick with heck. She was one heck of an idealist. And so, you know, um, as I've said before, this, uh, this, this work to change the world is lonely. It is. You know, Vera Connolly died. She died um, without ever having married or ever had a ch child. And, but she was determined and she pushed on. And I can only imagine the degree of grit and work it took for her I mean, she went to 250 prisons to see conditions. She lived on an Indian reservation or just the res. And so that's what idealists do. They devote themselves. And some idealists then write about it. Other idealists write about it and have a radio show about it. So there you go. So do me a favor Check out Vera Connolly. Please do. Um, and she doesn't even have a Wikipedia page, believe it or not. <laughs> but she's somebody to know about. And her example is something to follow. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at elliejkrug at gmail.com. I love hearing from listeners. And as I'm trying to say more and more, please... Uh, like me on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter. At Ellie Krug is the Twitter handle. When we come back, we'll do the interview with Scott Harold. Thanks. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. 
Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. Better Futures Minnesota impacts the community by addressing root causes of poverty, homelessness, dependency on public assistance, and high rates of untreated trauma that often lead to incarceration. The lives of men served have been marked by chaos, violence, and loss, which contribute to feelings of devaluation, rage, and lost human potential. Healings from this trauma is essential before participants can succeed as workers, fathers, and responsible community members. Learn how you can support our efforts at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. And we're back on AM 950. Ellie Krug here, Ellie 2.0 Radio. Well, I'll tell you, Vera Connolly, do me a favor. Check her out. Learn more about her work. You know, like I said, I think she's like the Rachel Maddow of the 1920s, 30s, 40s, and 50s. I really do. And so, well, <clears throat> remember, the show is about idealism and about idealists. And um, with me for the big interview is Scott Harold. Scott, welcome to LE 2.0 Radio again. Great to see you again, Ellie. Thank <laughs> oh, you. And thank you for being here. So, listeners, we had Scott on. Uh, several weeks ago when uh, he came and brought students from the high school for the recording arts out of St. Paul where they wanted to come in and talk about a project, a video project that they had done, video interview project they had done about the Rondo neighborhood yes. and the destruction of yes. the Rondo neighborhood. And Scott, as I worked with you on that, yeah. I got to know that you actually are this huge big idealist <laughs> and I told you I Thanks. wanted to have you back thank you and so welcome back thank and you. that we get to focus on you although I loved having your students here I mean they were just cool as heck they're wonderful <laughs> they're wonderful young people they really are so Scott you um, you, you you're an idealist on a number of different fronts but one of the things that I wanted to ask you about is you are the uh, the founder and the executive director and the curator of a nonprofit called Rock the Cause. Is yeah, that right? That is correct, yeah. So could you tell, uh, let our audience members know a little bit about Rock the Cause? Sure. And, and then I want to get into how you got here. How yeah, you got sure. There. Rock the Cause uh, will be going on its 12th year this uh, July. We, we founded as uh, incorporated as a nonprofit in July of 2007. Um, so it's, it's been a great ride. Our mission is to engage young people of all ages, and I say of all ages, to get involved in their communities through the power of music. And what we do is we have a record label that releases music that uh, helps uh, people discover causes that they can support and artists they can support. We also do concerts, volunteer drives. We do work in the schools, uh, teaching about entrepreneurism, uh, you know, careers in the recording media industry, the nonprofit industry, etc. And what we really do it's all designed to drive awareness, engagement, and support to other nonprofit 
causes. Okay, using music as using the, music the as medium. the medium. Yes, yep. music, using music, and sometimes film and other forms of media as the medium. Okay, so uh, give us uh, your. You got like a couple of really big success stories. Give yeah, us, we, we give do. us one of those. You would know. You? Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, I'd say, I'd say probably the thing that will probably be, you know, most familiar to the public is one, we are the record label that assisted Zach Sobiek with the song Clouds. And uh, we worked with Zach and his family to get that song released worldwide. And uh, I, everybody, and I think in Minnesota and around the world, most people around the world know that incredible story of the young man. He was diagnosed with osteosarcoma at, the, at a very young age and only given a short time to live. And he wrote a song called Clouds. And since that time, Clouds has inspired um, over a million dollars in donations to Children's Cancer Research Fund and has helped to create one of the first real breakthroughs in child cancer research in almost 25 years. And you gave him the platform for that. We, you know, we worked together with uh, a couple of other people in the media community to do that. You know, Justin Baldoni from the CW, obviously, uh, you know, Dan Seaman from KS95 was heavily involved with that. But we worked together as a collectively as a team to create that platform. But from the record label standpoint, yeah. Yeah, we we work with Zach to create that international international platform. Okay, and 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 Rock, the, you've you've got uh, some things going on this summer for Rock the Cause. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I am a I I have um, this fantasy or this idea that I've always wanted to do. It's not a fantasy because once I go, I go. I want to do a Mellencamp tribute. I want to get. A, I do. I want to get a bunch of really great bands together and do a tribute to the music of Mellencamp, and uh, you know, raise that money to go towards helping to uh, you know restore the Midwest. I'm I'm originally from farm country, and and what's yep. happened with the flooding is is devastating. So I really want to work together with a lot of people to create that kind of a tribute and have proceeds be able to go to support families. Okay, well, um, I hope that happens. Me too. Yeah, you know, I'm from uh, Iowa, and. Yeah. Um, I'm just, our poor uh, farm families are taking a beating in a variety of ways due to the weather and due to some other things. Uh, So, well, all right. So the reason I wanted to have you on the show is I wanted to, and we'll get back to Rock the Cause a little bit, but I wanted to have you on the show because I wanted to talk about you. You have this very interesting story about one kind of trajectory, then hitting a wall, and then having taking an entirely different trajectory. That's true. Uh, we, you and I actually have that in common. Yeah. And, and so can you tell us a little bit about your story? Yeah. Uh, uh, going back to farm country, I, I'm originally from Nebraska. I'm, I'm from outside of the Omaha area. Grew up in a very small town called Nebraska City, Nebraska. Uh, I know where that's at. Yes. Yeah, home of Arbor Day. Spent a lot of time there, and uh, you know it's part of the one of the areas that's really uh, devastated by the flooding right now and struggling to get through that. And uh, you know, I ran away. Uh, I went to college, school, did all that. Played in a rock and roll band, heavy metal band, and you know, had I just really, in a lot of ways, had a very beautiful childhood. When I look back on it, it wasn't without its its problems. You know, my mom my mom raised three boys on nine thousand dollars a year, and wow. That was tough, but um, you know, looking back upon my life, I, I really did have a great childhood because there were there were people in that small town who loved us and cared about us, and without them, we would have went under. Um, and then I ran away with a girl to Minnesota and went to college up here and tried to make it as a songwriter. And one day, needed a job and 
got a job in a leather furniture store selling leather furniture and then decided and then built a career out of that, became a national sales manager for them, et cetera. Decided I didn't want to be the leather guy at, at 40 years of age and uh, went to work for a publishing company as their director of sales, crawled my way up the corporate ladder for, you know, being a poor farm kid from Nebraska to the time when I was 34, I was starting to make about $100,000 a year as a corporate sales executive. Okay. That's uh, quite the American success story. It's a, it was a great success story. It was it was an incredible ride and, and something that, you know, I had always wanted to do. I always had that idea in my mind, you know, you got to get to 100 Gs a year. You got to get 100, 100 Gs a year. And by the time I turned 40, um, I was making somewhere between 125, 150 Gs a year. And um, a boss of mine called me on the phone one day and wanted to meet in Chicago. And so I met in Chicago and we were walking down Michigan Avenue and he says, I'm going to have to phase you out of the company. And I really got the feeling that it was more about phasing the Minnesota office out because the owner of that company wanted the money that they were paying me and the cost of the Minnesota office to kind of just end up in their pocket. So here I was in my you know late 30s without a job for the first time. And I decided, well, I love music. At that time, I was playing in this big, you know, collective uh, soul band called the Midnight Mo Experience. And I decided, you know, um, I want to start a nonprofit. I want to. I want to create something that says I was here. I'm, I'm tired of <laughs> tired of making other people rich. I'm tired of doing things for other people. I want to do something for the world. Okay. Wow. All right. So, Scott, we're going to have to take a break, <laughs> yeah. okay? But when we come back, I want to hear about that pivoting and yeah. why you pivoted because that's not – you and I both know that is not the natural course. Yeah. That you have – you hit a wall that, oh, I'm going to go in a whole different direction and – and, well, when we come back from All our right. break, we'll do that. Everyone, we're listening, and we're talking to Scott Harold, who I, I, I adore from Rock Thank the you. Cause. And, uh, and when we come back from our break, we'll talk with him more, hear more about his story. You're listening to me, Ellie Krug, on LA 2.0 Radio, AM 950. If you like what you hear, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Please follow me on Twitter. I am trying to get my Twitter followership up. It's at Ellie Krug. Um, when we come back from our break, we'll talk more with Scott, and then we'll do my C-Block. Thanks a lot. We'll be back in a second. Better Futures Minnesota is a social enterprise which helps men achieve self-sufficiency and a better future for themselves and their communities. We need your help. By donating time or funds to our cause, you can support us and promote a healthier environment. By hiring our deconstruction crews for your next residential or commercial project and shopping or donating building materials or appliances to our reuse retail warehouse, you are supporting Better Futures Minnesota and your community. Please visit BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn more. Brending Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming, diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. 
For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. And we're back on AM 950. Ellie Krug here. We've been speaking with Scott Harold from Rock the Cause. Hi. Um, also uh, an idealist. And Scott, before we broke, you were telling, you told us the story. You worked your way up yeah. to the corporate ladder. You got to the pearly gates yeah. as it related to money and all of that kind of stuff. And then they pulled the rug out from underneath yeah. you. And you said, you know, at that time you decided you get more in a different direction, one involving music, one yeah. involving a nonprofit. Why is that? I mean, that is not a given. I mean, most people in your situation would say, all right, I'm going to just go and find me another six-figure job right away, yeah. you know, and, and, and huff it. But why, why did you, why'd you do that? Well, you know, I, I did try to go find those six-figure jobs again. And um, the more I got into it, I began, you know, this just isn't me. Uh-huh. There, there was always this, I always felt like there was this stain of, Scott, we really like you. You make money for us, but you're not somebody who hangs out on the golf course with us. You're not someone who shares the same politics we do. And even though I'm a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white guy, I kind of felt like, you know, you, there's this stain. You're just, deep down inside, you're just a kid who came from dirt poverty in Nebraska, and you're not one of us. So you felt other. Yeah, I felt other. Okay. And and I'm one of those people I do not like to feel other because when you when you tell me or tell people that I love or anybody that they're worthless, that infuriates me. And it is it is my thing where if that'll that'll stoke the fire more than anything <laughs> is to tell another person that they are worthless. Okay, so well, and I've got, I mean, but I've, I, at this point, I mean, were you married? Did you have kids? No, I was or? single. Okay, single. so you had that kind of freedom. Yeah, yeah. I was kind of working off, of, you know, Auguste Renoir wrote this letter one time that says, do not worry about me. I'm single and I have no children. I will be just fine, you know, so. <laughs> <laughs> so kind of working from that, you know. Okay. All right. And so, um, and and so you you found Rock the Cause yeah. and you start doing this work that you talked about and, and. And again, it's not a given. I mean, you could have gone and founded a for-profit radio, yeah. uh, la- or excuse me, a recording label, and, yeah. and made made money doing yeah. that. Yeah. Why? Why nonprofit? Nonprofit was, you know, I'd always, even when I was in cor- in the corporate world, there was this side of me that said, you know, I, I'm good at making money. I can, I can, I maybe I should, you know, try to find a nonprofit that I that I can go to work for. Maybe I should find uh, an organization that I can ha- try to raise money to. And even trying to break into the nonprofit world, I still got treated as you are other. You're coming in from the corporate world. You are, you, we don't yep. understand what your objective is here. And I said, you know what? The door that I want to open for me is not open. And I'm not sure what that is yet. So I'm just going to create the door myself. God, I love it. I love it. You know, um, I, I, I mean, not uh, not that it's all about Ellie Krug, but a, a lot of what, I mean, you and I have a yeah. lot in common, yes. even though I know you're not transgender, I am, yeah. you know, and you're not a lawyer, I am, you know, all of those things, but we have a lot in common. And what do you think it was, Scott, about about your childhood? Because in my case, I always go back to Dr. King yeah. and Robert F. Kennedy. I was alive when they were, and they yeah. talked to me. But what do you think, was it about growing up in, 
you know, lesser circumstances, for lack of a better phrase, yeah, um, in I, Nebraska, do you think? And did that make you see the world a different way? It did make me see the world differently. And, you know, um, my father, you know, passed away last winter. And um, Sorry. Someone who I love very much. Um, even though there were times that he was not fully present for me, I still love the man. And I remember growing up, you know, we, we, we were growing up in a very simple house, and my dad had his 55 Chevy Nomad, and I loved Daddy's Nomad. And we would listen to Elton John, and we would listen to music, and me and Dad could not communicate. We did it through music. Uh-huh. And watching my parents work hard and then watching some of the struggles that we had as a family to try to keep up with the American dream, keep things going. And then in, you know, 1979, it just all, it all fell apart. You know, dad, dad left home. Mom was in, in the position of having us kids and having to raise us. Sorry about that. Um, having to raise us. And I think living in those circumstances helped me to see um, differently about the world and, and see things about the world and, and, and what people go through. And for a while, you know, being in the corporate world, you have to kind of deny all that. You have to you have to deny that people struggle. It's all about making the buck. There were people when I was in the corporate world where I had to sit across the table and lay um, people off. You know, I, I went through layoffs with people. I had to sit down and tell people that they couldn't they couldn't come back to work. And those things were very difficult and tough. And so I think over time, eventually, um, that that privilege side of me that was living in the corporate world, I began to see that, that there were lies that were attached to that and that, that I, I could do something differently for people. And I also remember something my mother said to me. Um, one day I came home and I, I needed something for my car. And my mother was sitting on the couch and crying. And I looked at my mother. I was such a brat. And I said, you know, mom, if you were a better mom, you'd go out and buy this for me right now. And she looked at me and she said, Scotty, you are white and you are a man and you will make more money in your lifetime than I ever will. You figure it out for yourself. <laughs> and so I think growing up. Really the, great, tough advice tough from mom. Tough advice from mom. So growing up in those circumstances where, you know, sometimes you, you know, you had to learn to make split second, second decisions. You had to be decisive. You had to survive. I think taught me empathy and compassion for other people mm. that, that, that I was able to, to be able to get back to really who I am at the heart and be authentic and be what I was taught and told by my mother. So, you know, I'm struck as you tell this story, and it's so compelling, Scott. I just want you to know that, and that's why I wanted you on the show. But as I'm hearing your, your story, okay, I am thinking right now of the listeners here who are trapped in situations yeah. because we know about the human condition. Yep, People get know. trapped. Who, um, who have the, the same kind of empathy, the same kind of drive that you have about trying to make the world a better place, about trying to change things, but who are afraid, Yeah. who are afraid sure. to do it. You know, and, and I'm not going to criticize them for no, being afraid because not. that's no. the way it is. Fear is real. But I know right now there are people listening to us saying, wow, I wish I could do that. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be the, the, the motivational speaker and say, just go do it, go do it, because not everybody can do that. It's, yep, right. But the thing I want to say to people is understand that the greatest disability in the world is fear. It is. Fear is the great disabler. And I, I truly believe this, and, and I believe that there are people out there who make us afraid, who hold us back, who push us down, who tell us that we are worthless, that we cannot do, that we cannot be, that we cannot become. 
And the truth of the matter is it's finding and networking with people and trusting people and allowing yourself to be open to the unknown. We always like to work in the finite. We always like to know what's yep. going to happen. Allow yourself we to- We want the blacks and whites. We want the black and white all the time. And um, operate, in, operate in the unknown and just start. Just start. Try and start and be brave. Be very brave. Well, and so that dovetails into the um, high school for the recording yeah. arts, okay? Because um, you, you you are working yeah. with, to a large degree, not the best of the bunch at um, the at the at the school, right? You know, they they are they are beautiful, brilliant kids, but they have always been told they're not the best of the bunch. Yeah, and I did not mean to, <laughs> no, I didn't, didn't mean to demean I, them. Yeah, I, I just, you I just yeah. meant, you I know, know li- labeled. Yeah, as, labeled. Labeled yeah. as not Dropped the best. out, kicked out, pushed yes. out. You're, you're on the trajectory to prison. The school to prison pipeline is real. Well, and not only that, if you have a color of skin other than white, the labeling process is so much quicker. Oh yeah, it is. You better okay? it is. And 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 so that's what I meant. I'm yeah, yeah, not no, trying to de- no, be demeaning at all to no, you. I okay. Know that. All right. I know that. Okay, thanks. Um, but but to me, I mean, you're a you're you're a white color guy. Yeah, I am. Okay, in a school that's predominantly of color other yeah. than white. Yes. And you're in there lifting people up in that school every day. Yeah. Telling them that they can go and that they can do yes. it. Do you see? And, and, and the reason I'm saying that, do you see how this idealism just gets translated? Yes. Gets translated and and it ripples. Yes, it does. You know? And it does. So off the air, you were telling me, because I had you here last yeah. with, uh, was it three students? Yes. And they, they came in and they uh, talked about a, a uh, documentary they did about the Rondo neighborhood. Yes. Give me the name of the documentary again. Rondo Beyond the Pavement. Okay. And they can, and anyone who wants to find out about that can find that. Just Google Rondo Beyond the you Pavement. Can Google Rondo Beyond the Pavement, yes. Okay. Now, you told me in the time since you were here with your students, what's happened with that documentary? What's going on with the students? Um, you know, the documentary, they've, they, it has been picked up other, by, by other film festivals around the world. And right now, um, it's on the Rondo, excuse me, it's on the Amazon Prime all voices film festival and our kids are competing for $25,000 in cash for us consumer engagement of the film share streams, et cetera. So it's, it's created a lot of ripples. And now the organizations that high school for recording arts, we made that film with St. Paul Almanac and SPNN. Um, there is in the neighborhood of another hundred thousand dollars in grant money on the table to continue making films like Rondo beyond the pavement and working with young people to tell those stories. And this is because you and others at the High School yes. for Recording Arts have told kids you believe in them. Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> it's that oh, simple. gosh, I wish it was, pal, because, you know, we'd have a whole lot easier <laughs> world, wouldn't we? <laughs> yes, we would. It but, is. but you're right. It is that simple it is and that it simple. is that complicated yeah. at the same time. But somebody's got to be willing to go and sit with yeah. somebody who is other. Yes. Okay? And say... I'm going to listen to you. Yes. Okay. I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you. I'm going to see you. I'm not going to call you stupid. Right. And then I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to believe in you. Yes. And when we do that, don't we unleash all this kind of power in people? It's incredible. The power that you be- that you unleash by holding people big. And I, I have worked in institutions where they are micromanaged. They do command and control style of management, just like we face in the U.S. and government today. Command and control. Command and control only leads to worse problems. Hold people big 
incredible things happen. Gosh. You know, I I got to tell you, dude, you're like a hero of mine, okay? Like oh, you, you you are. And and I just the, the the reason that you're my hero is that you're you're walking the walk. You're talking the talk, okay? And you're the real deal. All right? I just want you to know that. Thank and you. I, I you know, we've got uh, less than a, a minute and a half here. I just want you to know if there's anything I can do, Scott, okay, that Ellie Krug human can do to help you, yeah. all right, to help you with uh, Rock the Cause or with the High School for the Recording Arts or any of your students. Just will you let me know because yes. you, you inspire me. And listeners, I hope you've been inspired by this. And, and the beautiful <laughs> thing about what you have done is I don't have to ask. You have just stepped forward and said, I want to help. And that, and that to me is the biggest thing is somebody just steps forward and says, how can I help? How how can how can we all carry this torch together? Because that's 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 who I am. How can I help? It's it's we have a torch that we have to carry, and and you know we've got we've got kids out there that, and I know it sounds cliche, but they really are going to inherit a really tough world, and we have got to work on this with them so that they have the faith and the confidence and the tools to know how to navigate this world and be a human being that that gives a damn. Absolutely, and and we're just you know I just want to tell you. Thank you for being on LE 2.0 Radio. I just... You're welcome. I, I, I just... I am in awe. And, and thanks. Just thanks for um, being a great idealist who, <laughs> who's really living it. I don't know how to be anything else. <laughs> well, listeners, we've been, we've been speaking with Scott Harold from Rock the Cause and also, also from the High School for the Recording Arts. Um, check out both the Rock the Cause. You just Google it and you'll go to the website. Check out the High School for the Recording Arts. And you know what? You too can step up. Yes, you, you can. You too. You too can help. So, Scott, thanks for being on LA 2.0 Radio, my friend. Thank you for having me. Thank You're you. welcome. You're welcome. Take care. Mm-hmm. Bye. Okay, uh, listeners, we'll be back in a second for my, my C Block. Thanks so very much. Bye. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. This is Ellie Krug from Ellie 2.0 Radio on Mondays from 7 to 8 a.m. Many listeners know that I founded Human Inspiration Works, LLC, which trains on human inclusivity and on how to be welcoming diverse humans. Today, organizations of all sizes find that they need to train team members on diversity and inclusion. I can do that. Many say that my trainings change the way they see the world. I'd love to help make your organization more welcoming. For more information, go to humaninspirationworks.com. Thank you. At Better Futures Minnesota, our purpose is to fuel and guide our men's desire to turn their lives around and walk a new path toward better health and success. We are intent on changing the costly systems and practices that produce poor results and perpetuate the chaos and cycles of dependency experienced by men who have faced incarceration. We are building a movement that supports personal transformation and a healthy, vibrant community of men. Visit us at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com to learn how you can support our movement. How long till my soul gets it right? Can any human 
And I'm back, Ellie, Ellie Krug on Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Well, okay, Scott Harold, I, you, you could not tell, um, but I started tearing up as he spoke. I don't know about you, but he's a pretty darn inspiring human. And um, wow, you know, and um, I just... And I just know there's so many more people out there that want that are like Scott Harold, that are like Ellie Krug. Not that it's all about Ellie Krug. I know that there are people out there, but we're just afraid. We are afraid about what we're going to lose, or we're afraid about the uncertainty, or afraid of what people will think. But you know what? It would be a whole lot better world if a lot more people were less afraid, and they just went out to change the way the landscape is. Okay, so um, having said all of that, this is my C block where I talk about my work or things that happened to me or, or whatever, where I tell stories. And so I've got a little bit of a quick story for you. Remember, we're taping this show. So yesterday was Pride. And uh, AM 950, this wonderful radio station that I'm a part of, has every year a booth at Pride. So way to go, AM 950. Not every media per, media outlet does that, just saying. And so um, one of the things I get to do is to volunteer to staff the AM 950 booth. And I did that yesterday, um, yesterday for about four hours. And it was quite the wonderful experience because um, as I'm sitting there in the booth with, you know, the AM 950 banner, big sign and some other things on the table, I had people coming up to me um, saying that they... They listen to my show and, oh, my goodness, that's what you look like, you know, or that they've read my book and listened to the show. Um, you know, remember, I've written a book, Getting to Well in a Memoir about Love, Honesty, and Gender Change. Oh, there's a plug. And, um, and it was just really nice to connect with people um, who are listeners and also people who didn't even follow the station but don't even know about my show. So that was really great. And let me just tell you, if you want to watch people, if you are a human and a people watcher, you got to go to Pride because you see this massive collection of humanity just kind of walk past you um, as you sit at the booth. Um, and boy, did I see a lot of humanity. And it was just all quite fascinating. I, you know, I saw a lot of people with glitter. I saw a lot of people with wearing... Um, uh, all kinds of clothing, okay? And, of course, the rainbow was in just full display on various ways on people. However, as I was sitting there, um, you know, I was uh, it was getting towards the end of my stint, and I looked off to my left because the booth that was next to us was selling art for some reason, and people were very... It was a very popular booth, not nearly as popular as, as the AM 950 booth, sorry, but that's okay and understandable. And off to my left, um, as people were like, you know, over by that booth, I saw this human, I'm going to guess maybe 10 years old, um, short hair, short blonde hair, glitter all over um, their face. And I can't tell you whether it was a boy or a girl. I don't know. Um, a rainbow painted on the forehead and rainbow shirt and then wearing a rainbow flag as a cape. Okay. And I, I just noticed this person because this human was kind of dancing around. There was music in the background and dancing with this incredibly great rhythm. Okay. And I'm like, Whoa, look at, you know, and it just, it just made my, it made my heart smile as I watched this human do the dancing. 
And then I realized that this human was with a mom and a dad. And I would guess that mom and dad were both probably late 30s, early 40s, uh, maybe even maybe even up to mid 40s. Um, dad, big man, tall tall guy. Uh, mom, um, a um, you know, kind of looked like a mom. <laughs> Sorry, that's Ellie. That's just not a really good way to put things, but you get the idea when I say that. And um, and neither mom or dad had rainbows on. Okay, and and but you know, mom was carrying it looked like a lot of goodie, you know, there's all, you get all kinds of swag when you go to, to a pride. So she was carrying a swag bag, you know, dad, I think it was holding a cup of coffee or something like that. And it was very obvious that they had brought this human, this 10 year old, I'm going to guess 10 year old human, neither boy or girl. I can't, I could not tell to pride and boy, their kid was just happy as a clam. And so um, as they walked by the booth, I said, happy pride, you know, and they smiled back, said happy pride back. And then they were continuing on. And then there was something inside me that said, hold on a second. These folks need something a little bit more than just simply happy pride. Not that I'm anybody great, trust me. But I got up and I said, hold on just a second, please. And I got up out of my seat and I went up and I I went up to the mom and I just said, I just love your child. And she smiled and I just said to her, I, I said, is it okay if I give you a hug? And she looked at me and said, sure, and held her arms out and I hugged her. And as I was hugging her, I whispered to her and I said, thank you for loving your child. And, and she pulled away a little bit and I just said, I am just so, so happy for your child that he has you and your husband or that they have you and your husband. And I just said, thank you again. I again said, thank you for loving your child. And I said, you know, it's not a given that parents would do that. And then I went to the dad and said, can I give you a hug? Because I felt that I needed to do that. And he said, sure. And I gave him a hug. And then I turned to the human, their child, and I just said, you go. You go be you. And boy, did you, <laughs> did the smile come across this child's face with braces? I mean, it was glitter on top of glitter because the braces, of course, were glitter. And it was great. And it made the whole four hours of sitting at the booth um, at Pride, it made it way, way well worth it to just be able to see that and do that. We are good people. We do want to love our kids, but it's like Scott Harold said, many of us are afraid. Okay, so that's it for another show. You've been listening to me, Ellie Krug. I need to thank our sponsors, Brending Electrolysis. Let Bev know I sent you because she does incredibly great work. And our new sponsor, A Better Futures Minnesota, which gives people a second chance. A big shout out to my producer, Brett Johnson. Brett. Always, you are the best. And to you, my listeners, you are also the best. I love it that you call. I love it that, well, you didn't call because you can't. It's tape. But I love it that you write in. I love it that you watch us on Facebook. Please, you, this is a podcast. You can go, goes to podcast. You can do all of that. I will be back um, again in a couple of weeks uh, with a new show. And then April or August, you got me forever. Everyone, have a great time. Have a great week. And do, go do good. Bye-bye. Ellie Krug. <laughs>